In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is really a great joy and a blessing for me to be here with you at Holy Trinity in Dallas, my hometown, my home parish, with my family and my church family. And of course, in the great state of Texas. This morning when I came in as an aside, and uh, speaking of the great state of Texas, and Father Mark gave me this mic, which is different than the mic I'm used to, uh, I thought for a moment, I, I know that uh, we're in Texas, but this reminds me of Garth Brooks. And for a second, I wondered, what's going to come out of my mouth when I put this thing on? To Kiriu de Thomen, or I have friends in low places? In any case, in all seriousness, one of the other things that, uh, that I noticed when I came in, and it's a reflection of one of the aspects of today's gospel message, but more than that, it was really, and I'm not just saying this because this is my home parish and because Father Mark and I are Kubati, uh, but this has got to be the, the nicest bulletin, weekly bulletin, I've seen. And I go to many parishes throughout the country and so compliments to whoever puts this together. It's, it's beautiful and it's also very informative, very practical. Don't take for granted those little things. And right here, as you see, we're being welcomed. And even though this is my home parish, as I said, it's special to feel welcome. So keep up the great work in that regard. Beloved in the Lord, we now find ourselves in the second of three Sundays in the liturgical calendar that prepares us for Great and Holy Lent. For many centuries we've had the same readings these particular Sundays, and I like to think of them as a sort of spring training for the regular season which is to come, which is Great and Holy Lent. And you may remember as a little bit of a recap, last Sunday was the passage of the prodigal of the passage of the prodigal son and central to that message was the need for repentance which the Greek word for repentance is metania which really means to change our minds and to change our hearts that's the central message and there was a very beautiful part of that gospel passage in which it says that the son came to himself he changed his mind he changed his heart and in so doing the Bible says he came to himself. And the key lesson there to summarize again uh, is that we too need to change our minds and to change our hearts in order to experience God's presence in our lives and to become the best version of ourselves, to become our true selves. And this indeed is the essential first part, if you will, of the spiritual life, the journey of the spiritual life which hopefully is taking place throughout the course of our lives and there's a reason why Jesus when he begins his earthly ministry the first word out of his mouth at the beginning of his earthly ministry is metanoite the imperative verb meaning change your minds and change your hearts I can't believe now that I'm going into my 30th year as an ordained priest 
And one of the things that we have done as ordained priests, and now having been at Hellenic College Holy Cross for about 10 years now of service there, not altogether, but in different tours of duty, so to speak, we've done a lot of mission statements. And one thing that occurred to me later in my ministry is that sometimes we complicate things. The Lord's mission statement really is summarized in one word, metanoita. Change your hearts. Change your minds in order for your soul to be changed. However, there is a for at the end of that. The preposition for. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this is a more important thing that we, not more important than repentance, but something that people tend to forget. That the kingdom of heaven is at hand in and through Jesus Christ and his holy church. And so repentance is the first step and experiencing the kingdom of heaven is the second. And that is what I could say today's parable is all about. Because first we need to change our minds and our hearts and decide to go back to our Father in heaven and then we will experience the kingdom of God. And that is the beautiful message of today's passage. Going back to this newsletter again, though, I think of this beautiful quote here, Theophan the Recluse. The help of God is always ready and near, but only given to those who seek and work. Very important. We talk about salvation being from the grace of God, but we also have to do our part. And St. Paisio says that God provides the ways and the means. We must supply the will and the effort. And that is what, what today's gospel passage is all about. And we know that today's gospel passage is about the final judgment. And it can be very poignant and terrifying when we think about today's gospel passage. It's about continuing to do something beyond just changing our minds and our hearts. It begins with a simple description. Jesus uses elements that would be very common in first century Palestine. The work of a shepherd was something that took place all the time, and the idea of separating sheep from the goats was a regular day activity, perhaps, and fairly easy to do. The kingdom of heaven, though, is what he's talking about. The kingdom of heaven will be something that we enter into after the final judgment, our faith teaches, depending upon the decision of God. We heard the passage just a moment ago, to recap that briefly. When this judgment day takes place, the fa our Father in heaven will separate people the sh like the sheep from the goats. The believers and the righteous will go to his right hand. Why? We know the passage. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and in prison and you visited me. And one of the most touching aspects of this parable, I think, is what comes after that. 
What happens? The righteous, the faithful people are a bit confused. And they ask, when did we see you hungry or a stranger or thirsty or naked or sick or in prison? They're surprised. And the Lord says what we remember from this passage so vividly, I hope, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it also to me. Touching. The righteous will be surprised. They're so good, they're good to the core. They have been doing the right things, so to speak, but not for the sake of doing them or to be seen by others doing them. At some point, it becomes part of who they are. It's natural, we would say today, right? Unfortunately, the opposite is also true. The Lord who sends the others away from the kingdom of heaven, turning to them says, I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. I was naked and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Did? Did not. But they too were surprised. You know, we, if you think about it nowadays, if we think a person is important or we think we want to win over someone for whatever reason, we're going to be on our best behavior. And so they're thinking, well, wait a minute. If we had ever seen you, Christ our God, hungry or thirsty or a stranger, we would have helped you. They were surprised. And what does the Lord say to them? As you did it not to one of these, the least of my brethren, you did it not to me. He identifies with every single person in the world. Some other important teachings, I believe, from this passage, to touch on a few of them. As I get older, especially, you know, I still go to confession as a priest. I need it. We all need it, right? Uh, it's therapeutic. It's not uh, punishment. Repentance is not something that we should think of as pleading guilty to a crime. That may be one aspect of uh, us going before God to admitting our sins, yes. But confession is uh, therapeutic. And we do this sort of thing over and over again, hopefully, but as I grew older, I realized something. It's not just about confessing the sins that we do, the evil that we do. In some ways, and probably Perhaps in an even more important way, it's about confessing the good that we don't do. The sins of omission is something that we will be judged for as well. Perhaps more importantly, the sins of commission. Think about that for a moment. Another aspect of this parable is that we are not supposed to judge one another. We are not only not supposed to judge one another, but God expressly forbids us from doing so. God is our judge. God is our brother's judge or our sister's judge, not us. 
and we will come before his judgment seat at the final judgment. There's another aspect of this parable that I find very important as well, and it's paradoxical. It's probably more about God's divine love and how God works than it is even about justice or judgment. And you might ask, well, how is that possible? You know, God's up there and we're going to meet God and he's going to tell the righteous to come to his right hand and the left he's going to cast out and there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth and all of this. How is that possible? That it's about God's divine love when we think about it that way. One of the interesting books that I've read lately is uh, that of Metropolitan Erotios of Nafpaktos. And uh, the title of the book is Life After Death. It's an amazing uh, and important work that teaches us the orthodox perspective about life after death. And he makes a very important point. He says that all of patristic thought and teaching with respect to judgment has a consistent theme. And the theme is this. God's light is the same. God does not change. God's light is the same. But there's a difference in the way each person experiences God's light. Those who are faithful and those who are righteous experience God's light as joy, as peace, as love, as goodness, every positive attribute you could possibly think about. Those who, have, who are unrighteous or unfaithful experience God's light as caustic, as burning. The other aspect that patristic thought teaches us very clearly is that heaven begins here and now, a foretaste of it, right here in the church, as does hell. It's an important perspective. As the saying goes, heaven is heaven all the way to heaven, and hell is hell all the way to hell. I mentioned spring training earlier. When we were kids and we were practicing, they used to teach us the way you practice is the way you're going to play the game. Only this is not practice. This is real life. And so if we are on the right path, so to speak, we will be experiencing a foretaste of God's kingdom right here and right now. It's up to us. In a way, according to the saints again, we judge ourselves. We give ourselves our own consequences. If I decide to run out in front of a car on a busy highway, that's not on God. <laughs> that's on me. And likewise, if I decide to do good things to people, then I will be rewarded in a spiritual sense. Maybe not in, in other ways, but spiritually speaking, we're always rewarded. So as we wrap up here, we have one more important, extremely important point to consider. And that is what I mentioned earlier, that God's love is inextricably linked to every single person in the world. And this is the message that we must take to heart. God identifies with every person. When St. Paul was on the road to Damascus and he had his conversion experience and he was blinded by the light, what words did he hear? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute 
me. He didn't ask, why are you persecuting my followers? Why are you persecuting those who call themselves Christians? But no, why are you persecuting me? God does not give us a broad social program guide or social activism guide. God tells us to treat every single person as if that person were Christ himself. Think about that for a moment. If we just behaved like that, we wouldn't be worrying about church growth. We wouldn't be worrying about other problems in society. We wouldn't be worrying about orthodox countries going to war. We use that term orthodox sometimes as a label, but to what extent are we really orthodox in our minds and hearts and souls? 1 John says, whoever says he loves God and hates his brother or sister is a liar. Couldn't be more plain than that. And the Lord himself says, by this, all you will know, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. May he be glorified today and always. Amen.